Hello there, I'm Tim and he's John and this is How to Murder Time, a podcast about games and things. Hello everybody. Watcher. It's another week gone. Yeah. Well, two weeks. I still can't get over that light. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite, and look, look, we've done things. I know. Yeah, I don't have to worry about making sure the camera's level anymore. It's exactly things gone. Yeah. Mm. They're in a big pile over there. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, you haven't set the studio on fire as well, which is nice. Yeah, no, the um, studio's not on fire. I'm, I'm not wearing a coat. I know. It's, it's I turned the heating on on Wednesday. Some weird spring heat wave thing going on at the moment. Enjoying it while it lasts. Yeah. I took Friday off. It was great. exciting out in the garden reading books. It's good times. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to crack straight on. I'm going to talk about Neverwinter Nights. Okay. Enhanced edition. Cutting edge. Are you aware of Beamdog? Beamdog? Yes. Yes. This is a company who basically seems to make their primary living by just <laughs> reworking uh, old uh, Black Isle software from... Uh, from the good old days. Nice work if you can get it. Yeah, well, this is different to the stuff that turns up on GOG, because GOG tend to sort of redo the old versions as diamond editions and whatever, And they, but this this seems to be reworked from the inside out. I yeah. don't know, anyway. So, yeah, they've done... You can find Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale and all the other uh, the old classics, um, but they've gotten around to doing Neverwinter Nights now, which was quite a revolutionary title in its time. It was. I can't remember the year... It's gone. Help. I don't 90... know. You reckon 90? I think it was 2000 no, or something. Maybe, yeah, that kind of era. Was but... it one of the Xbox ones? Ah, no, no. I think this predates the, the consoles as a thing. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I You know. could have done some research. I've done no research at all today. Ten years. You should know by now that maybe <laughs> we should do research. <laughs> Um, yes, it's that kind of era anyway, 2000s, uh, but this one's a, a complete rework, but I mean, primarily, obviously, so yeah, in terms of the rework that's been done, resolution is the big one. Of course. Because back then, 800 by 600 pixels was pretty intense, pretty yeah. high res. I mean, I think something was, were they even 1024 back then, or that was just like stupid graphic design workstations yeah. back then. All games should get a redo just for resolution, and especially widescreen, like they've just done Aspect Warcraft ratio. 3. Aspect ratio, yeah, yeah, this one's... Warcraft 3 just got it, and it's fantastic. Oh, okay, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's the big problem because normal square-based four-three resolution from based on the monitors we had back in the day is relatively easy to scale up. Don't, yeah. You know, after the fact, but doing the aspect ratio, no one had a widescreen monitor back then. That was that was mad. But now they're all widescreen monitors now because you know it's a desktop and a wide desktop lets you put more bits of virtual paper and things on. Or probably. the fact that all TVs are widescreen well, telly means well. that Console. the uh, panels are cheaper. Mm, yeah. So um, there's that. Yep, the graphics. Are um, they've not done, I don't know, so it is sharper, but they've not gone mad with like working the textures or the or the, or the polygons or the meshes or anything like that. You it's can still, go too far. Yeah, I think they have done some work on the engine to enable very high poly models and high resolution textures and stuff, but they've not upped the base content, yeah. the actual Neverwinter Nights itself, the campaign. Oh, they leave that to the modders? Um, well, yeah, exactly. I think they did do some, released a few little bits and pieces here and there to demonstrate what could be done, or some videos or some such. I didn't really do that research either. But um, so I think it is capable of a lot more than the old engine could do. But they've made a, obviously a stylistic choice to try and keep the uh, the old style of it all in place, yeah. and it does it does sort of um, match what I remember very closely. 
you'll be able to see some video of it going on, I'm sure. But um, they got some weird depth of field focus effect going on, which I don't remember it ever having in the past. No, it can't have had that. No, which is quite interesting. When you sort of mouse wheel in on your character, things things further away go blurry and that kind of thing. So, uh, Oh, what did I... I see that quite a bit in modern games. I was playing a game with that and it was annoying me to bits. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what I'm looking at, just because I've zoomed in on the character. Every time I walked through... it, You know, it was... It can be a bit hiddenness, oh, yeah. Oh, Wolfenstein. That's the other game I need to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. Yeah, I was playing that walking through doors and it kept doing the focusing on the door yeah, frame yeah. And, yeah it's um yeah it's an interesting effect i mean you could just leave everything in focus all at once with the full depth of field yeah. i mean you know but well that's the problem unless you've got eye tracking yeah, it's always so going to be annoying it's a weird uncanny valley sort of thing um yeah so the the, the models are all the same with those sort of waggly heads while they're talking on the big triangular fist hands and stuff uh, but, i love um, that era but it's it's all there. I mean, it comes the the enhanced edition comes with pretty much all the content from the day. You got the original Neverwinter Nights campaign that came with the thing. There was yeah. the Shadow of Undrantide and some sort of Hordes of the Underdark. I think there were two main main proper expansions. Then there was a whole lot of community competition type DLC that all kind of ships with it as well. I think for a while Bioware were doing a, a sort of once a month release of the best of the community modules because this thing back in the day came with an immensely powerful modding well not mod, not even modding it came with a construction kit a yeah. toolkit the, the base game was designed and with the intent that you'd make your own modules and dynamically gm them as well you can sort of run run them in a sort of gm mode and drop monsters in or, or you know it, deliver exposition on the fly as well i never did any of that i had a quick look at the toolkit back in the day it was there's no getting around it. Something like that is going to be complicated. It's going yeah. to be you yeah, have to spend time and effort putting the stuff together. It's and more, a lot more so than than if you were just doing a pen and paper campaign because you just write some notes, research some stat blocks for monsters, and off you go. But whereas this, you're essentially building. You know, I mean, the difference between creating a you know DMing a another Winter Nights module and essentially designing levels for a computer game is, is very very small because essentially that's what you're doing so yeah i never really got into that but i guess it's all there i haven't really had a look but um i imagine we'll see some fantastic modded stuff coming in the multiplayer i think's the the big thing they've done where because do you remember do you remember game spy yeah, I remember games. Yeah, well, they were. That was a day. So basically, Bioware had taken the choice back in the day to just outsource the entire networking to GameSpy, and they basically built in a GameSpy. A lot of games did. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a large going concern that was very good at doing what it did at the time. But obviously, they don't exist anymore. I don't even know when they vanished or what they are now, or even if they exist. I think at all. they went bankrupt. IGN maybe uh, yeah forget. some some sort of web, web portal bought them or something that you know back before social media as we understand it is even a thing but um but the unfortunately the game client hooked straight into that to provide yeah. matchmaking for online gaming and stuff i mean there are third party site you know services out there i think game ranger is one back when we were used, we were having a go at icewind dale not not a sort of enhanced edition the actual original one off of gog we found uh, a, a service called game ranger that uh, oh, essentially yeah. provided matchmaking for really old network that was games funky. yeah i don't even know if that's still a thing but fortunately uh everyone tonight they've rebuilt all that internally and it just works now uh, i, I don't Does it use steam i think it, i don't know if it's using steam or whether it's just allowing direct connections i know whoever's hosting has to do some port forwarding i think but yeah okay yeah but um yeah it might be direct connect but there's there's a game browser there's literally an internet you know joined internet game and suddenly whoosh massive list uh, of all sorts of servers all around the world going on there interestingly the persistent and large scale servers which I, which blew my mind back in the day that's still a thing i looked on the, oh yeah you could do interesting things yeah yeah the the well 
there was so the server browser we had a look at because we were doing this on a Sunday night as a static we'll talk about that as we go but the server browser list uh, it capped out at um, several I think there were three or f- there's about five or six servers with 96 out of 96 players wow. listing on the on the lobby I mean it's like a mini MMO at yeah. that point it's all you need for an MMO well exactly I mean what's the difference between 96 players and 3,000 players if you know you yeah. only know some of them anyway I guess they were sort of publicly accessible and these from the, what, from the descriptions it Guild looked like the, no, well I think the top three looked to be all part of the same thing. They all have the same name. Oh, uh, one yeah. of them was like Aerith Town and Sewers, Aerith well, Wilderness, Aerith something. I don't know if that was actually the name, but the naming was implied that they were in fact three separate servers that were linked together to provide an even larger capacity. Oh, and yeah. they basically distributed out parts of their game world onto three different servers. And I'm pretty sure now I think about it that Neverwinter Nights back in the day had the capacity for you to be able to put portals in the world that your character could walk through, which would literally move them to another server. Yeah. They had a kind of yeah. seamless export, import, export thing to Yeah, back to in the day, I don't think servers. anyone did anything to impress with it, because the internet was a bit it was of a f- well, Yeah, yeah. And plus, you know, you have to, you have to know people who want to join part of your little network yeah. and who's curating all but of that. Now, but now... But yeah, and so I'm pretty sure it had the capacity for you to literally walk between servers in your game. <laughs> um, it, but yeah, I, I, like you say, I think it was massively underutilised. I don't know what that's like today, but I, from what I gather, from looking at the server list, it implies that you've got some degree of at least un, I'll just save here and reload on the other one, or it yeah. might even be literal connectivity. I don't know. But there are people out there running triple 96-player server worlds that you can just presumably join. They weren't passworded either. I mean, you, you, the passworded games are in red. These are all in blue. Loads and loads of servers out there. With, I mean, it's uh, it's hard to. It's probably got more players than quite a few MMOs now. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, sort of just trying to put a you know, ballpark figure on the number of players I saw on that browser list. We're probably talking a couple of thousand in yeah. total, split across however many other hosted games going on out there. Interesting. It is an undeniably old school experience. It uses, I think it's not even 3.5 D&D. I think it is the original third edition because it oh. came along around that kind of time. The Neverwinter Nights engine, the Aurora engine, is it Aurora? I can't remember what the, the no, it was Aurora or the other thing. Anyway, the Neverwinter Nights engine went on to be the, the cornerstone of Knights of the Old Republic. They used that yeah. for that. They used it for The Witcher as well, the original Witcher. Yeah. Back when CD Projekt were just a modding company, <laughs> they basically modded up Neverwinter Nights to make The Witcher 1. And then off the back of that huge success, and GOG as well, they then did their own thing for and Witcher a bit of 2, software piracy. 2 and 3 and whatever. Software piracy? They started selling CDs at the back of... Car boots, oh, blimey. car boots sales. Checkered past. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so then Neverwinter Nights. Yes, the original campaign. We've skipped the original campaign. See, the thing is, back in the day, I played and completed the original campaign. I think I did it with a mage or, yeah. And and it's, it's a big, sprawling, lengthy old thing with intrigue and plots and stuff. It's all set in the Forgotten Realms. You know, Boring. Yeah. <laughs> the Forgotten Realms serves a very useful purpose. It is the vanilla against which all other interesting things can be contrasted against. No, no, seriously. Good words, could be great. No, no, that's what you want when you're selling a rules and a game system, which, you know, essentially Forgotten Realms existed to sell second edition Dungeons and Dragons. And you want something pretty baseline so that people can get used to the rules. And then, then your, your GM goes off and makes this fantastic world all powered by steam powered crystals or whatever. But anyway, so Forgotten Realms, you start in the city of Neverwinter, there's a plague, a magical plague, and, and you're working to try. You're working with the authorities to try and work on a cure, but some evil force breaks in and steals all the bits of the cure and scatters them across the city, and then off you go. There's like a big four-act structure with a prelude, and there was... Um, 
I seem to remember it was great fun up until the last act, and then the sort of reveal about the big bad was was massively underwhelming and huh. disappointing. Was, I, you know, I could have, off the top of my head, thought of three or four better, mass, you know, big end villains and so on. But anyway, um, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. There was The Shadows of Undertide, which I bought and never played. This is my first early poisonous experiences with DRM. I bought the two expansions as budget re-releasey ones, and they didn't bloody work. See some sort of CD copy protection meant they just did not work. It, yeah. it wasn't like the back of a van or anything. It was proper proper software I bought it from was a the, shop. It, it was the and bad it just wasn't compatible with the original version that I bought of Neverwinter Nights itself. I don't know if I'd had to have then gone and bought another version of Neverwinter Nights or whatever. It's just a nightmare. So I never saw the expansions despite owning them. Um, so on Sundays we, we all rolled up characters and we're starting on Shadows of Undrantide, which is its own standalone campaign, which so yeah. gives you another way to go in whole new characters. And so, yes, we're students of some dwarf who's been a member of the Harpers and is looking after some, some evil oh, relics helpless. so that they don't get used for evil and they've all been stolen from him. Please Destroy the evil relics. Don't just keep them somewhere out of the way. Put them in the bottom of your bits drawer. <laughs> anyway, predictably enough, the, the entire faculty was like murdered. I think the dwarf gets poisoned and then we have to rush off and look for a cure and stuff. We're only about, I think we're still on the first town and the first set of connected zones there. And it's absolute mayhem. I mean, obviously starting... Starting to, starting off with not having played a very long time, trying to get the hang of the the, the controls is they're a bit exotic. It's yeah. radial menus all over yeah. the place. It is everything you can do is right click radial menu, and so you right click on a thing, and suddenly eight eight bubbles appear, yeah. and then you right click on one of those bubbles, another eight appear from there. It's like just everything is on drilled down radial menus, and it's I don't know. It's not something you've seen you see used much elsewhere or since, but it was an interesting no, and of attempt. There are there was some, some quite expensive software out there which does very similar things. Yeah, I, uh, um, I mean, just the inherent complexity of running a Dungeons and Dragons character in a computer game framework it is an absolute nightmare. So I'm not sure I could really have thought of a better way to go about yeah. doing that. But yeah, so getting the hang of how that all works. I've I picked a wizard, I think, uh, with a familiar that flaps along and, and shoots things and attacks and I got uh, my Two level one spells and my cantrips. I'm super oh, powerful. Joy. I know. Ray of Frost. Zap! Three points of damage. Right. And now I'm done until I can sit and have a sandwich. Magic missile. Oh, I'll roll a one. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the, the joys of. Well, that's not even an Everwinter Night's problem. That's just the joys of a, of a Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 wizard. You, you fire your magic missiles twice and then you have to go and have a sleep for eight hours, you know. Yeah, does anyone mind if I go and wait in the car park? I fired my two spells. Yeah. <laughs> Could you bring me the XP at the end? Yeah, I mean, I'll be useful in about a year. <laughs> modern incarnations, sort of fourth edition, fifth edition D and D, tend to go with at will powers or a mana bar type <laughs> mechanic, like, very much stolen from computer games. But, but yeah, back in the day, a wizard was pretty much a one shot thing. I mean, the wizards it were literally was a one shot. thing. Yes, plapped. Right. Okay, now I'm done. <laughs> yeah. um, Neverwinter Nights, they get around that by having the resting uh, sort of dynamic. You don't have to go and find an and sleep for eight hours you just sit on the floor for literally a, a, a sort of 10 second countdown have a nice long think about have, where have you went thing. wrong in your career choices <laughs> yeah have a sit down on the floor for 10 seconds and wish wishing you were a warrior and then you get up and you've got all your spells ready <laughs> contemplate to go the usefulness of axis well the thing is uh, when you get to like you know 20th level wizard you're you've, you're reshaping reality by thought so whereas the warrior is just hitting, hitting stuff a bit harder still so it's it's the whole sort of 
straight line versus curved power thing. Wizards are a long-term character. If you dig in and go for it, you get there in the end. Assuming you don't get insta-killed by one arrow, which can happen at first level. 1d6 yeah. for the arrow. Wizards well, got four hit points. Yeah, especially if you're playing the original rules where you had to roll for hit points and one was a possibility. <laughs> no one makes you roll for initial <laughs> hit points. That's a thing of sadist GMs. <laughs> I, I always let your cats pick the maximum number of hit points at first level, or they probably won't see second level. Anyway, and so... never let them resurrect. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, getting the hang of the interface, getting the hang of the classes and the look and the feel of it all. And, of course, entirely unfamiliar, because at least with the original campaign, I kind of remember most of it. Whereas this undertide thing, I'd just seen nothing to do with it all. And it became apparent that... So we managed to get the multiplayer all going. They all rolled up all different yeah. sorts of classes and stuff. And there's five, four or five of us. And then we had to restart about two or three times, because um, if you talk to the wrong person before everyone else has finished loading, then it breaks and you don't get some equipment in your... It's It's... <laughs> It sort of works for multi. I don't think it scales at all either. <laughs> no, there are five of us, no, and doesn't. any one of us can probably take out all the monsters we're seeing. I, I, I want to say it's capable of that kind of sophistication, no. perhaps, but it depends, I think, on the module construction. I, th I imagine whoever's written the module can probably do clever things with scripting to put extra monsters in if there are certain numbers of players and so on, but I don't know if that's the case with the Shadows of Tide or certainly the early intro bits. So we're finding the combat really easy, but... It's offset by our, our spectacular incompetence. We've decided to roll a game where friendly fire is off. Uh, we, we cannot damage each other with our AOE spells. That's lucky because yeah. fireballs. That's not default. It's <laughs> not default in D and D. How long did it take you to find out that wasn't default? No, we session? just we just knew that was going to be a problem right for the go. So yeah, I think Tefo was hosting and he just no untick. <laughs> <laughs> just not going to happen. He's quite good at spotting stuff. Like yeah, that. but we still managed to spectacularly grief each other throughout the entire three-hour first session <coughs> we were playing. Well, for starters, there's a lot of reading. Now, yeah. you come into a modern, you modern gamer with your modern aesthetic comes into a game of Neverwinter Nights and you think, yeah, I've played Path of Exile, <laughs> I've played Diablo, this is fine, here we go. No, there's a lot of reading. There, there's a lot of, I mean, we got about one, two rooms in before we came across our first set of riddles, uh, which had us all arguing uh, quite heatedly. Um, <laughs> it, I wouldn't say arguing, it was, it was I was being right and everyone else was being wrong. And, and the real job was me trying to convince everyone else that my answer was right. Anyway, and did you? I was right yeah and i did but um it was such and go <laughs> do you have any fans left not really no i lost, lost quite a lot of faction points that, yeah. that, that that situation interestingly so you've got the concept of alignment which is possibly oh. one of the most stupid things in any I gaming system yes it's a kind of uh, nine not a three by three grid upon which you put your morality and your outlook on life and you measure it in points how would i know how to behave if it isn't put into this box it's yes yes almost every rule system and and, and sort of handbook i've seen since the good old days tends to really de-emphasize alignment <laughs> and explain that it's, it's just a, a way to help, help visualize your character it's not a straitjacket <laughs> blah 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 yeah okay so i went lawful good everyone else has gone chaotic neutral yeah, because um, always go chaotic neutral because they let you do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Common fallacies about alignment. Chaotic neutral, I can do whatever I want without being punished. Okay. <laughs> it's just a big old stupid thing of stupidness. It's a it stupid really is. thing of stupidness. Yeah, my indeed. alignment is stupid, stupid on the two axes. That's, but um, so, but well, interestingly, you they, when you script your modules in Neverwinter Nights, you, actions and dialogue choices and things you do can key into the alignment system. And, okay. and in Neverwinter Fair Nights, enough. it runs on a hundred point axis, fifty being the middle, fifty being the middle. So each time you do, each time, so I'm there minding my own business, and suddenly the actions of your party have shifted your alignment one port towards chaos. And I look around, and <laughs> Tepo's bloody stealing, stealing the. Crap 
crap out of this place, you know, which is ostensibly the, 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 in the sort of little adventurer training academy school we've been living at for the past 10 years. And I'm just, well, I just watch, because I, I picked the wrong alignment, I think, and I'm just watching, like, oh no, you know, watching the little chat bar go. You've got to chaos, wonder chaos, how chaos, people... evil. Who's, who's doing evil? <laughs> you have to wonder how these people <laughs> fell to evil, and it turns out just standing around the wrong people. Being in the wrong party. Yeah, exactly. The action, your actions will affect, will basically affect and move other people's along. You typically get. Do you end up with a really, really pissed off paladin? <laughs> well, I don't know if we've got a paladin in the group because. Uh, well, yeah. no, he'd have to be lawful good. Well, yeah, it yeah, has to be lawful good, and if he's not lawful good, he loses his powers. So yeah. that, that's some, some fantastic griefing right there. This is not a game really for pickup grouping. No, no, I don't think. <laughs> and yet. So yeah, so then you've got other sorts. Of, then you've got this weird dynamic where it only seems to let the part, the group leader, talk to people. Okay. Some people, some people, everyone can talk to, and the, but then it sort of freezes everyone else up for dialogue because because it's really designed at a single player. Yeah. Uh, I think. I mean, yes, you can do the group stuff, but for example, everyone else can't talk to the guy whilst one of us is talking to them, and then that person who's talking to them, usually me, because I was the, the group leader, was uh, yeah. Some people just wouldn't talk to people who weren't the group leader at all. Some key NPCs and stuff, and then you're picking the the options and stuff, and they're all going, "Why is the why is the dialogue going through so fast?" <laughs> oh, sorry, that's how fast I'm reading the text. So I didn't realise it was all. <laughs> coming up on your screens as well yeah so everyone has to sit around and wait whilst the the nominated face of the party has to go and deal with the npcs and step through with a little number in your dialogue. particular party how many people have <laughs> english as their second or possibly third language um probably two i think everyone can speak english very well in yeah. the party but yeah it's it's more yeah i know it's, it's it's weird and then someone else will come and talk to them again and that pops the same dialogue but different choices being made and oh no there i go another three points towards chaos thank you thank you free spirits yes well done you um but then things got really awkward because okay so they, you start in this village it's being attacked by kobolds oh no the the the, the level one foot soldiers of the big bad you know in the sorting hierarchy of evil right we'll start you off with kobolds and yeah. goblins and we'll see how you get on and if you if you survive all that and gain power then we'll bring in something a bit of, no start if with if you're really like you'll bring in a skeleton <laughs> oh skeleton everyone yeah you know in any sane world you don't immediately open with a beholder get straight yeah. in there you know but so we, we're dealing with kobolds that have attacked the village and they've run off with the artifact and, and split off and disappeared and they've taken hostages how um, I don't know, but we're having to go in and sort these hostage situations out, and it's oh. just no, no, no. So, how many hostages are dead? Well, uh, so far, all of them. <laughs> we, have, uh, we come across, I think, three possible, three or four different situations where it may be possible to talk your way to a peaceful rest. Oh no, what have you done? Three points towards chaos. Three points towards evil. <laughs> oh, God, What's wrong with you people? Everyone, just stand over there. <laughs> Touch nothing. Yeah. Well, there, there's a there's, there's a load of kobolds in an inn that have taken the cook hostage in the kitchen. They built a barricade across the kitchen door. Now you can talk and do the chit chat. Diplomacy, persuade, etc., success. Or you can just kick open the barricade, go in and start killing them. <laughs> okay. But apparently, uh, clicking on the barricade, I didn't know clicking on the barricade would, would, would force the uh, situation. So we've decided that, okay, well, we're probably just some sort of um, fundamentalist, we don't deal with terrorists kind of uh, elite crack team of SEALs or something. But yes, there's been a, a lot of um, death, collateral damage. <laughs> I don't know what the acceptable threshold is. I thinking of re-rolling and just going straight in with neutral or evil or something and go neutral and see where you come out. 
Well, I think that's that's the kind of the party have done that. <laughs> that's their their, uh, their their preferred operation. Is to, I don't know what my alignment is. Let's just see, shall we? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ah. So yeah, the combat's a bit confusing because uh, you know it's got it's, it's it, it always was quite drifty. Yeah. You know, you sort of click somewhere, and that, you, that, you don't immediately run there. It's not like you know uh, Path of Exile, where you literally drag your character around by holding the mouse and attack, attack, attack. You, you're, you're essentially delivering instructions, and they're being queued up, and then yeah. dice rolls are happening. So you can click somewhere, and your character will eventually wander over there, drift over. We, we're all trying to work out a run, and it's not. You, there isn't a run. It's, it's based on how far away you click. Oh, okay. So you sort of seem to take the same amount of time to get to any place at all. <laughs> I'm sure that solved a lot of problems in the AI. Yeah, yeah. The pathfinding is pretty awful. And I don't imagine Beamdog have been in a position to do anything about that. I mean, pathfinding... Well, like, that kind of pathfinding typically is middleware, is it? Well, no, no. Pathfinding, you're right yourself. But um, um, when you're doing that kind of restoration, should we say, Yeah. It, there's a question of what do I change... And what will completely yeah. break oh, the yeah. original experience? I don't mind and it being that the pathfinding would be the original pathfinding wasn't great, no. But it's even worse when you've got five actual players all running yeah. around as well, because they, the, the, the it's also having to deal with incoming instructions from them as well as moving its NPCs to get out of the way and stuff like that. It's just a yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot slower paced than the sort of comparable experience that we're all used to the comparable experience we're all used to is Path of Exile is Diablo 3 and 2 and whatever which is you know where they took that kind of Baldur's Gate format and just dispensed with all the (laughs) plot and the nonsense and the the role playing and just thought well let's just make it about combat and attack 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 and that's fine that sort of spun off its own its own its own action RPG genre which is hugely successful and and a lot of fun in and of itself it's trying to wrench the mental gears back to a more considered take your time experience which is what Neverwinter Nights really is yes there is combat going on but there's a lot more besides there's a lot of reading there's a lot of thinking about what you're going to do there's your characters from straight out of the i mean you know your your starter character in path of exile or or diablo will usually have two abilities you know punch them in the face and throw a thing at their head um whereas you you know a level one straight out of character creation wizard or ranger or cleric or whatever has got hundreds of radial drill down options because they're essentially a very faithful recreation of the pen and paper class so it's going to take a lot of getting used to. I think I probably need to play some extracurricular as well as the static, just to get the hang of it or get back into the... Well, not so much the functional dealing with it, being able to play the game, more the mindset of it. I mean, there's a space, there's a pause. Cool. And, and we've all got the pause button. Oh, God. Oh, it's pause. Who was that? Oh, sorry, I hit the wrong button. I was trying to jump. Space is pause. <laughs> you can't actually jump in Neverwinter no Nights. No, of course you can't. No, of course no, you can't. Because you're all stuck to the floor stuff back in the day. But, um, but when yeah, when you pause, it pauses for everyone. I mean, you can turn that off in your game host settings, which means no one gets to pause. But the, the, the way the combat happens, particularly towards the mid and higher game, when there's just so much crazy going on, big spells going off, things happening quite quickly, you, you, would, you often need to pause and issue instructions yeah. and then unpause it now imagine that with five players or six players and yeah, yeah you know it's it's pretty uh <laughs> it's a strange thing i mean i'm liking it. i'm enjoying it. don't get me wrong it all sounds like a massive rant but it is a lot of fun but it is quite unlike anything else that happens today and i, I suppose in some ways you can see why why that sort of experience hasn't really been re- i mean i yeah. suppose divinity original sin is a yeah and number yeah. two that was that's a sort of modern inter modern take on that style of yeah. game and those are a similar kind of thing divinity is a lot of talking a lot of plot a lot of character role playing as it were as well as the uh playing the uh the, the clicky monsters user abilities to kill them game so 
But yeah, I, one thing I remember from one of the persistent servers I played on a long time ago, there, there's a wizard spell that's pretty high level, sort of nine or whatever. Uh, time stop. Yeah. 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 Essentially, you cast a spell, everything except you stops, and you yeah. can do, do what you like. And that's great. How to thrust the party That's great. A single player game, yeah. This, this was a 96 player persistent server, and it stops everyone everywhere on the entire server whilst this one player gets to do their time stopped actions and then it unstops. Yeah, you'll be doing your own thing and suddenly it'll all freeze and think, oh my god, it's crashed, but the chat text chat is carrying on and there's a little hourglass appears on your character portrait. Uh, oh, okay. But these are the sorts of problems and it, it, it was a really elegant and interesting way to bring a proper pen and paper experience to a, a computer game but it also brought a lot of problems and a lot of unsolvable you know dilemmas about how to implement this that and the other so it's, an, it's a fascinating experience but uh, i think generally there's a reason computer games as computer games have moved somewhat away from uh, where they started, which in many cases was the earliest computer games, the old, earliest role-playing games certainly, were attempts to recreate the old Red yeah. Box D&D on a computer. And it's which is ironic, because I always thought the Red Box D&D was a computer game before computers were Turns out to it do. wasn't. Mm, well, there you go. But no, we're playing that on, uh, I think we're playing that on Sundays, and it's uh, oh, that's today, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to do more practice. <laughs> uh, okay, I, that's all right. I was going to go away and learn what all my spells did. Oh, hell. Okay, good. What enough thought was time? Not yet, no. no. If oh. I make it that far, I'm going to abuse that mercilessly. Yeah. I think. But yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of good, really good fun. And, and, and also, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's mostly going to appeal to people who were there back in the day, certainly. But I'm not sure how it stands up against something like Divinity Original Sin 2 or whatever. But worth a look, worth a look. And not terribly expensive. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Over to you. I'm going to talk about a game called Minute. Minute, okay. This is a retro-looking, as in it looks like it's a Spectrum game, uh, black and white jobby. Oh, yeah. It's, you know that, that bright style of uh, later Spectrum games? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. With the rounded rocks and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, in it, uh, at the start, you um, find a cursed sword which has the unfortunate effect of killing you every 60 seconds. <laughs> and when you die, you then respawn back in your bed. Right. Okay. And so then you have to... Basically, you have to do a series of tasks yeah. in the world, yeah. like exploring the world, finding the tasks, and then doing the tasks in no more than 60-second chunks. Wow. You can kill yourself at any time. Yeah. Wow, that's what well, you have to move a thing, drop it, the die, go find well, no, it again, move the, it a bit further. No, the tasks, <clears throat> the tasks are better designed than that. The, the, the first one you end up doing is you find this, uh, uh, I think it's a bar building or whatever, uh, and in it, somebody's complaining about the number of crabs. So okay. you have to kill five crabs, okay. which is easy enough to do. They're just a couple of screens away. You want to kill them, you're done. Mm -hmm. But um, later on, it might be you're walking through a desert, you'll find a thing, think, okay, I have to kill that thing. I'm going to need to find some stuff. Or there's somebody in the desert who wants some water, so I need to find some water. Oh. So you're basically working in your mind this list of tasks that you have to do. As you explore the world, you find more and more objects that you can use. Yeah. And you get more abilities as well. Um, so you, one of the first things you uh, unlock is the ability to push rocks. Okay. So you can get into new areas. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and so it, the game expands that way. So there's always a reason to keep going to areas and redoing. Oh, stuff. it's like the old sort of dizzy type, unlocking new areas with with different items type puzzle yeah. mechanics. Yeah. Uh, also, it has this fantastic idea. You know, Everywhere's <clears throat> sixty seconds away from your home, right? Well, it'd have to be, yeah. But <laughs> you have this circle around your house that's sixty seconds of travel yeah. wide. But. <clears throat> you find a caravan after uh, quite quickly, yeah, and then the caravan becomes your home 
for so you go to the you visit the caravan and uh, then it resenters you there or you visit the hotel and it okay. resenters you there uh, right. and it can go back so, so that, it moves you throughout the map yeah, yeah. and you know, I was a little bit dubious that this mechanic was going to actually be fun yeah because I, so, I don't like dying every sixty seconds I don't like but timed but, gameplay yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually it's incredibly fun okay. it, it's really well put together and designed I've not had any task which is yeah. overly problematic yet yeah. i need to finish it actually it's a very very short game to complete the main plot and i haven't done it yet so mm-hmm. um but then afterwards there's an awful lot of other tasks to do uh, yeah and it, it just really works as this little nice idea you know it's, it's sort of game jam idea type yeah, thing. yeah 60 seconds as a um uh, sort of come up with task. this one clever idea and then run with it spin yeah. it out see out see what you can do with it yeah yeah and it's really fun i really like it and i really recommend it it's on uh steam okay it's nice so a decent quid. story to it is there a sort of narrative that makes any kind of sense or is it just uh there's a factory churning out um cursed swords you need to stop them <laughs> okay fair <laughs> enough yeah. And yes, uh, it may not seem like good business sense to churn out cursed swords, but the guy he owns it's evil. He does not really care. Right. Okay. Yeah. Probably makes sense in context. Yeah. Mm, okay. So yeah, it's really good. I recommend it. Excellent. Uh, right. So uh, yeah, last time I was talking all about all my different abandoned, well, not abandoned where, but sort of trying trying to recapture my my youth in a sort of pathetic, desperate attempt to stave off mortality. I've been um, looking at. 20 year old games that I didn't quite enjoyed that don't work under Windows 10 anymore. Yeah. So, yes, you know, Gogger gaining a lot of custom from me these days. They get a lot of custom from me normally, anyway. It's a, it's a, it's a useful market, yeah, so it's a valid service. Um, yeah, so I ended up picking up uh, Ultima 9 Ascension. That That's the worst of the Ultima games. Apparently so, yes. I've done a, bit of, a little bit of research and background reading on it. You think about starting with 5 or 6. I've tried Maybe then going through 7. Six. No, no, I, I understand 7 is the best game ever, but I just no, six can't, than seven. I can't get my head around the top-down spritey graphics. It's just a bit too far back for me. I, I'm a three dimension snob. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not ashamed of admitting it. But um, that's how rubbish those three dimensions are. Well, yeah, I had to go and look and look at the, the release date for this thing because uh, <laughs> it is quite um, clunky, uh, quite old looking. It hasn't aged particularly well. But 1999. Yeah. Now, in 1999, what was the state of 3D gaming in general? We had Doom and stuff. Oh, no, we had Doom for a while. I mean, EverQuest we, was out there. We, we were past Half-Life. We were past... That was 97, Half-Life. wasn't it? Half-Life. Okay. We, we were past SX. The idea of a, a sort of open-world, sandboxy type of RPG adventure was, was still fairly new and fairly interesting. And I remember people raving about Ultima at the time. Ultima's brilliant. A lo- well, Ultima 9, certainly, in particular. Not 9. The, yeah. the, the screenshots were coming out and people were like, oh my god, look at that, it's all in 3D and coloured lighting and stuff like that. I mean, the textures are terrible, it's all laughable animation, yeah. and a really sort of pokey small world, and it has this really, really short draw distance, <laughs> which makes everything... <laughs> Everything seemed much further away than they actually are, um, but I quite liked it. It was a, it was an interesting and intricate little world full of puzzles and problems to solve and so on. And for some reason, I, I obviously Ultima Underworld one and two I enjoyed immensely, but I'd never really clicked with the main series. My main introduction to all that was Ultima Online. Oh uh, yeah, you weren't there, man. We were there before Faluka and Trammel. Yeah. We were there at the time when Faluka yeah. and Trammel yeah. did the split. 
basically, the Ultima Online had this bit of a problem in that it was a, a, a massive playground for psychopaths. Uh, they did virtually nothing to stop people killing each well, other because that was all. In, it was part of the verisimilitude. And now look at where part we are. of realism. You know, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fantasy world where people can make their own decisions and be whoever they want to be. So most people decided they wanted to be insane psychopaths. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of killing, and that was just you. You put up with that because that was the only game in town. If you wanted massive, open, massively online role-playing game type worlds, different choices back then could have changed the world. Yeah. Yeah. But. They they sort of realised they had a bit of a problem in that everyone kept leaving the game because people kept killing them and stealing yeah, their stuff. Yeah, only kept a Not certain... only killing them, but there was all sorts of mechanics in there that allowed you to strand people in places they couldn't escape from as well when you killed them with ghosts and stuff. You know, it's, it, it went beyond looting their corpse. It, yeah. You could do some got intricate uh, griefing involved there. But anyway, so they decided, oh, let's, let's split it so that there's half of the world, you know, an alternate dimension where no PvP can happen and everybody went there en masse and that kind of killed the game, really, in the end, because, uh, yeah. All the people who went in the, well, all the people who went into the non-PvP bit got really bored quite quickly and all the people who had to stay in the PvP bit because they wanted to do some PvP couldn't find anyone to PvP. So it was the worst of both worlds for all people and it all sort of dwindled away a bit. I know it's still going. It's like 20 years. It's Anniversary. I've only just gone yeah, to play. Yeah, I sent an email the other uh, week. I, I thought I should go have a look at it and thought, no, I can't be bothered. So back then, everyone was super excited about Ultima Online 2, um, <laughs> which yeah. started to be developed and then sort of founded and disappeared. And I think instead, or at the same time, we got Ultima 9 Ascension instead. Yeah. And I, I, I was playing that. Do you remember Pagan? Ultimate yes, eight. that was terrible. It was terrible because it was jumping puzzle. It never was in, good. Yeah, it was. It, they just filled it with jumpy puzzles and then gave you no reliable way to jump. They precisely. patched in one. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a reliable way to patch. It was a jump. Fixed, it was a better. Way to jump. <laughs> yeah, before the patch, it was a fixed jump, and you had to. Oh, oh don't even go there. No. But anyway, I quite <laughs> enjoyed Ultimate Nine, and I think I finished it the one time. Yeah, really long. It took a really long time to get through. It's quite a lengthy old game. Yeah. Lots of dungeons to explore, puzzles and traps and monsters and things and spells and all the rest of it. All that good stuff. Quite cute in a way. Uh, it's the story of the Avatar's last visit to uh, Britannia, um, and I can't remember what it was all about because the final cutscene crashed. Oh, <laughs> I just yeah. I completed it, so I've no idea. So I mean, yeah, obviously I could just go and look on YouTube, but I thought, no, let's give it, get it, have another go. And I'm remembering a lot of it, and I've forgotten enough of it for it still to be interesting. So that's good. Um, but yes, I could see there's a lot of problems with it. I mean, it, for starters, it was a QA nightmare when it came out. Yeah. That put a lot of people off, made a lot of people cross. But also, a lot of fans of the main series didn't like it because it essentially just ignored the, most of the continuity that had come yeah. before through well, that's out the thing, and told been, its own story. There had been 20 years of continuity at that point. The Avatar and the, the virtues and all the shrines and everything. Yeah, it was a very long established bit of modern folklore, I suppose, yeah. in gaming circles. And then to, to have the latest instalment, just yeah, I forget all that, would, would tell our own weird story. They, you know, you had this avatar who wasn't really very similar to uh, any of the previous avatar incarnations, who'd sort of not really remembered any of the stuff he'd done before. Didn't really build on any of it. It was just its own standalone game. And technically, it was fascinating at its time. It was blew people's minds the sort of the 3D of it. Obviously, not so much nowadays. Well, it's just a perfect example of you can make something look good. But it still has to be good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah there was Don't a, forget a lot what of you're making. And yeah, the the general theme and story of it all, I think, annoyed a lot of people as well. I quite liked it, but then I'd never really had a horse in the Ultima race. It was never really my series. I was, I, I'd missed most of them, yeah. and I couldn't get into the previous ones. So, but um, no, this is another me not recommending the thing I'm playing to anyone watching at all. <laughs> it's just very old, very clunky, and I'm enjoying it almost entirely on nostalgia. I think yeah, at the right. moment, but you know that's fine. I do. I 
always buy games with the intention of being able to play them over and over forever and it just irritates me when you know operating system changes mean that you can't yeah, yeah exactly unless i got a 486 knocking about in an attic somewhere could be worse you could use a mac um well I, yeah they're, they're talking about getting rid of the ability to run 32-bit apps completely wow yeah, but virtual boxes and emulation and stuff. Mm, yeah, then, yeah. Mm. That's just where it needs. That's where it goes. I suppose if you're that deep, but that is that is pretty hardcore. Isn't yeah. it? it's not a casual thing. Yeah. So there you go. Ultimate nine, yeah. <laughs> two and a half out of five stars on the on GOG, and I, I I agree with that assessment. But yeah. it has a place in my heart because I I quite enjoyed it, and I'd like to have another go, and and I can, and that's 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 fantastic. That's brilliant. That, that you can, that yeah. you can actually go and get this stuff and still play it and still relive these memories. Yeah, obviously, you know, you have to then have that internal thing where you have to face up to your own rosy hindsight and assess it in the harsh light of day. But, uh, you know, that's all part of getting old, I guess. Do you want to talk about a thing? I <laughs> I have a confession to make. Chin up. Mm-hmm. I played a game. Don't worry, you're among friends. I won't yeah. judge you. I played Star Trek Online. Oh, blimey. Well, I'm actually, I'm quite pleased because you've got a lifetime, haven't you? No. No. It does not count on the version I played. Oh, blimey. I played the what? Xbox version. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. How long has that been out? Is that, oh, is that a recent thing? It's a couple of years now. Oh, okay. So you're... It looks like it's been out for about 30. It's a couple of years. <laughs> okay. What was I thinking of then? Some some MMO type experience? That, oh, it might have been Sea of Thieves or PUBG or something. Yeah. PUBG was That's got like a console. So you think PUBG uh, is everything? I don't know. It seems to be everything. I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not an MMO. No, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, anyway, yes, I started playing because it's free to play on the uh, consoles. Okay. I, I thought it's free to play on PC. Yeah, it is. Although I have a lifetime on PC, which uh, means I have an awful lot of extra cash as well. But I decided to give it a go because it's available for download, and I was feeling a little bit nostalgic for all of the ships and stuff. Mm, and yeah. you know, the shipbuilding is quite nice. Yeah, okay. So I installed it, kicked it off, chose a 23rd century Federation starter character. Is that the old school? Yeah, 60s original series. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, then it put me through a series of missions, which were specifically based on original TV episodes. Okay. There's a quite nice one which is based on the Galileo 7, uh, which is the story from the original where the Galileo uh, shuttle goes down to a planet, crashes, they can't take off, and then large Yeti people in big furry suits <laughs> throw spears at them really badly. Right. Which they've recreated perfectly because <laughs> large Yeti things throw spears really badly. Cool. Uh, yeah, and then there's uh, another bit where you go to a space station and the um, telecom pathic pancakes that stick on the ceiling drop down and go on your back and, oh wow yeah they're there telepathic pancakes yeah I don't remember the telepathic pancakes I remember the, the scrambled egg rock monster uh, the no harm thing. I thing yes no yeah. harm I yeah I remember that one yeah the water <clears throat> water I've got a water pet I think I've got a water pet somewhere yeah, yeah there's you... a mission where you can get one yeah that just seemed like <laughs> not getting the point <laughs> trying too hard no you can't enslave it now I've got it as a pet yeah, yeah okay that's no, combat pet as well yeah you can get you get some research that weaponizes it for full horror. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, of course it's on console, so it's uh, controlling with the controller. How does that work? Uh, not too bad actually. Um, it's not a hugely hotkey heavy game. No. generally, you, you tend to be pulling a trigger, then having a B whatever to do. Your you have a small tray of bridge officer abilities you can fire off, yeah. but there's not. It's not like EverQuest Two where you've got like seven hot bars of twelve yeah. items uh, each. And the combat sort of uh, first per- uh, third person shootery, but 
he's doing all the aiming behind your back. You're just holding down fire, it basically. Is, it is naval combat. They basically yeah. stole that. Well, they're on the ground, even. Burning sea. You're holding down that, and then the beam comes at your gun at an angle uh, to right. just hit oh, the person. Sort of lock onto target. Yeah. Type. Okay. Well, they just you know pick whoever it feels it's like. It's MMO combat, essentially. Yeah. Rolling combat's dice. terrible. Or in space, the combat's better, of course, because that was always the thing that did work quite well. Yeah. And I quite enjoy it. The whole taking stuff down with phasers and then uh, destroying them with torpedoes. That is the right way around, isn't it? Yes, you're supposed to knock yeah. the shields off with energy weapons and use. I never got the hang of that. I just tried to batter them down with beams all the time. Well, the way I the way I figured, if I <laughs> never got the hang of torpedoes, I might as well just fire the torpedoes whenever I can and the phasers whenever there I can. There are certain sorts of torpedoes that have shield punch through damage. Yeah. You can just go with an all torpedo build. I can't remember which yeah. type. Because but... I was in twenty third century, I started off with the world's worst made up um, Starfleet vessel. Okay. Yeah, because you know the, the whole Starfleet rearranged the bits, <laughs> and it managed to rearrange the original Enterprise bits in a way to make the worst looking spaceship I ever. You started off with a what is it, Miranda? Yeah, it? no, that that's or if you just addition. I believe that's if side. you do the next generation E level oh, right. uh, starter, because uh. this one. Uh, and then at the end of it, you become a temporal agent and get sent to the future. The time, yeah, yeah. Is it Delta I, recruits stuff? Is that? Still a thing? Uh, I don't know. You, you meet the guy from um, uh, Enterprise, the temporal agent. Guy. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Um, some reason for you to be in the same time period I, as everyone I'm else. I'm reasonably yeah. sure that if I hadn't picked that uh, starter line, I would get that as a different plot later on so I can go back in time and do it. They do. Because I vaguely remember going back in time and doing it. They do stuff. sort of rejig a lot of that yeah. stuff. They keep they, they don't throw any content out, but they often yeah. repurpose it. It was nice it. not having to fight the Borg in the starter mission. Yeah, that's the traditional present-day Federation starter yeah. thing, is you get your shit gets... Basically, you're some sort of rating or ensign or something, and your whole ship gets murdered by Borg, and you're the one that comes out of it alive, and you get given your own ship afterwards. I think was the thing. Yeah. You yeah. Like Klingon starter. I will at some point. And it's also quite the interesting. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, uh, once I got to the future, I was given a new ship, so I went with the uh, classic movie Enterprise style, because that being the best of all of the ships. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and it, it's just as I remember, although it seems a lot more linear now. Mm. It was never the most sandboxy of game. No, no, it, there's a certain definite progression. I think once yeah. you get the max level, then it, it, it leaves levels behind and it starts on individual power group faction rep yeah. lines instead. Well, looking at this, you know, the the first one I looked at, because you know, it's usually you, a good guide as to how hellish this experience is going to be, mm. I looked at the list of achievements, mm. and they're all literally for going through each individual plot arc. Yeah, well, there's also you'll be there'll be side missions that your tactical officer can do, and then oh, ones yeah, that engineer yeah. can do, and the science. Yeah, no, there, can there's do no so achievements for that or anything, which is good. Mm. It doesn't seem to want me to play the game multiple times. Maybe you're like, still there's on one to get level. Yeah, there's know. one to get level to level sixty. Yes, on a character, but there's nothing to get uh, six characters to level sixty. It which doesn't really other, think in those terms. No, no which other games? Well, are, a single player game have done. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, a single player game would would have achievements for playing it over and over lots but yeah. with an MMO the assumption I suppose is that your character you keep your character and you go off and do yeah. lots of different things yeah. with that character so. Yeah, so, so so far it is basically giving me the whole this is a plot arc do this plot arc now and it is really presenting it can, yeah. it's really presenting like a single player game well most successful MMOs these yeah. days do you know I mean, <laughs> um, there are, the problem is that there are very few people that you, you don't have much in the way of peer group until you hit the end 
because unless a game is brand new where everyone's all starting together and moving up the ranks together you're going to find maybe you know a handful of other players happen to be playing through at the same time as you and are available for potential pickup grouping but generally don't yeah. so you have to recouch the zero to max level experience as a single player campaign so that you keep people interested until they can get to a point where there are a large pool of interested players available I'm to do I'm not sure stuff. that large pool of interested <coughs> players are grouping together on the Xbox. Well, I don't know. I don't know what, how, how, what it, the dynamic yeah. is. I, so. I need to see if I there can are ask queues. that There are the queues there. I mean, it's all, it's all to do with I, queuing I, for, for instances with Star Trek Online. Oh, I haven't um, seen a single instance so far. I can't remember what they're called. Uh, fleet Actions? Yeah, Fleet like Actions. Yeah. There, there are a whole bunch the of queue, drop-down queues you pick, and you'll probably be eligible for some low-level ones already. Yeah, that might I haven't you, actually looked. Yeah, that's where all the, the, the multiplayer yeah. gameplay is in that game these days. The, the, the idea of bumping into people on a planet and helping them do stuff is just almost no. unheard of because the whole thing is instance-based. And know. even at Earth Space Dock, it was pretty <clears throat> empty. Yeah, that's surprising. I mean, that's... Uh, I, suppose, I don't think it's a high-population game. No, no, I think it's... Well, partly that, but partly they might all be in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, they're all buggered off to... There's the new, the, the most recent, I say new, the most recent content they've done is a big revamp of Deep Space Nine. They've rebuilt it to look like the show and they've got a load of voice work in from various actors. Oh, because it was DS9. terrible before. Had they solved? I haven't seen it know. myself. Because oh. the big problem that it always had, and they patched it once to make it not quite as bad, was all the corridors were the size of cathedrals. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, it's the big sort of circular ring in Deep Space Nine yeah. with various rooms hanging off the side. And I don't know if they've redone it. I don't know what it looked like in the show. I can't remember too well. Yeah. But... So I remember <clears> the, uh, you'd walk through the Next Generation Enterprise-style corridors yeah. and the door would basically be a door for munchkins in the corner. I think the ship interiors are all the same as yeah. ever, I think. Why have I shrunk? But yeah, but you spend so little time on your actual ship. It's like some abortive player housing oh. thing they tried to do way no, back. No, uh, in the tutorial you spend quite a lot of time on it because it makes you run to the different places. Okay. And then you get back to the ship and then you have to do a bit of mission on your ship because well, you've been that's... raided by the Klingon. Well, I no. think that's just game yeah. architecture in general. Game architecture, particularly third-person games, you don't build for people. You build for people and the uh, hovering camera that's about <laughs> 10 feet yeah. up and behind them at all times. So that can't keep bumping and scraping through the ceiling. So that's yeah. why you have yeah. corridors and cathedrals. So, so far the game's not too bad. It's not great. I will not say that this is a great game. This is not the best version and it should be admitted that... I expect I'll play it again at some I'm, point. I'm playing yeah. it on the worst performing of the consoles that it could be played on. Right. Because it's an original uh, launch Xbox One. Well, I don't know what they've done in terms of the engine. Funny recently. you should say that. <clears throat> there have been it a few engine upgrades in the time I've been it, playing it. From having played it on the Xbox, I can say that what they've done is they've gone for that 90s retro look. <laughs> there's textures which don't load in, there's animations where someone will walk and then jump to the next animation set and then do the animation. Yeah. It looks really, really, really janky. It's terrible. Like, uh, really pathetically bad. I don't remember it being that bad. Maybe, maybe that's just a, a sort of half assed port or they're dealing with some. Problems with the working with the hardware, the limitations. Yeah. What console are you on? Uh, Xbox One. Xbox One. Oh, that should be up to. It should, well, it should be able to deal with you know modern yeah, no, PC it games. really should be able to deal with it. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's just a sort of cut and paste conversion. It, it has to be one of the worst looking. Although I'm going to regret saying that now because there's some really bad <laughs> ones. Uh, console games out there at the moment. Mm. Um, it's, it's an old base engine. I mean, they've done a lot with textures and lighting since, but you know. Yeah. 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 So it looks terrible. Um, Do you get in the feel though? You get in that, that, uh, yeah. that Star Trek buzz. Yeah, I'm getting that. That was something I always enjoyed. I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but I'm you know I'm versed in the canon, and I've always felt it did 
a good service to the material, despite you know perhaps the the problems it being an MMO puts on it, and the problems of, of just yeah the, the the limitations of the hardware and and so on. You know they make the effort, they get they get the voice actors, yeah, and they, yeah. they do some reasonable writing for the sort of episode. Yes, yeah. no, I, I quite like the plot. Okay, the the, uh, the tutorial one was rehashing a lot of original series Enterprise. It, uh, it always does that. It's it's uh, like uh, it's a lot like episodes. Lord of the Rings Online in in that any original content they have to write is essentially just homage after homage yeah. after homage, yeah. and that's what can you do? You don't want to go off and write you know a culture novel as as a side a side story in in a Star Trek Online universe. It has to match the the the, the surrounding material. Yeah, but it has. So you will see familiar themes yeah. and concepts coming up again. But hopefully you enjoy. Uh, post movie Sulu turns up during it and talks to you for a while and that's great um, so he, he's got an excuse for sounding quite old um, yeah and there's a Jeffrey Coombs actually thinking about it that's the reason I decided to go back so uh, Jeffrey Coombs is going to be yes reprising Wayun yeah. Uh, yeah they got a whole load of people I think it's like 8 or 9 DS nine cast yeah. members in on this latest uh, expansion sort of series yeah I, I think that once you get one of the cast in yeah. or out of the Modern lot. I think you get f- one of the cast in, and then they tell their friends that actually it was a fun experience. You probably don't get the big, the big A list captain or whatever because that's probably quite hard work. But I don't and, and you the- probably won't get the occasional B lister who just hates the show and doesn't want anything to do with yeah. it anymore. But most of the rest of the cast are probably quite happy to just drive oh, to San Francisco <laughs> yeah. and do like two two days in a recording studio. Well, not sure they even have to drive. I seem to remember they do it all online. I suppose Tim Russ. Said something about doing it from a studio in New York because he's doing something else at the time. Oh yeah, you just yeah you just, you just turn up hire there. a nearby studio yeah. for an afternoon. You, know, you got all the lines written and you just and presumably you enjoyed the character. Yeah, you get to yeah, reprise and it. once one of them enjoys it, next time they're all together having dinner, they say that was and it good. all goes on the CV yeah. as well. You know, yeah. it works the profile of it. It, it pays you, and it's a fun experience. A paying gig. Yeah, yeah, it's a paying gig. It's a fun experience. They're not going to do anything horrible, and it's for the fans. I imagine, yeah, for the fans, there's a yeah. certain reverence to it which i imagine wasn't there the first time around when they're all unknowns on a set just yeah. filming a speculative yeah. star trek show that may or may not go anywhere the you know you know people are going to love what's going yeah. on there so yeah yeah i i'm getting a bit more nostalgic for it all myself yeah. i don't know where i'd fit star trek online into my busy schedule at the moment but not on xbox <laughs> <laughs> yes i think i'll go stick with pc yeah yeah but, it um, does but so yeah i did answer the question it does play okay on xbox from a controls point of view, which is the bit that I thought they were going to have the problem with. I was I've not got some guessing homework the for you then. I want you to look up the forge. The forge, okay. So no. the, 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 not not the forge in game thing. That was something to do with Voyager. No, no. The forge is essentially their mission creator. I haven't seen mention of it. it. Yeah, well, I'd be fascinated to know if it even exists or is accessible via the console. The PC version, it's there. You just yeah. fire up a different part of the client, and suddenly you've got level designer and all this stuff, and you can upload. You can yeah. submit your mission. I haven't seen mention. They appear on a daily recommended mission list. But I would take a look. Ratings. I wouldn't be surprised if it's missing, because mm. user-generated well, content tends to go down badly, at least with Sony. Well, I imagine it's going to be an absolute bloody nightmare trying to create missions yeah. using yeah. a controller anyway. But but, but don't don't forget. Can you play other people's like, yeah. creative missions? Don't forget that the Halo 3 had um, uh, a map editor. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be cumbersome, but it would be possible. It was, so, yeah, I'd, I'd be just fascinated to know okay. if the, the player-created missions are even a thing. Yeah, on the console I'd also see what the uh, queues are like. 
Yeah, yeah. So yeah, have a go at some of the, the crystalline catastrophes. They're real no-brainer. You can yeah. really jump straight in on that and have a go. I mean, a lot of them have got minimum level requirements. I don't know how far you've I'm got. I'm getting but, high. Yeah, it's not a slow leveling grind. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, that is essentially where all the uh, multiplayer content now is in that game. It's all joining, yeah. joining fleet action queues um, for various instances and collecting the special currency at, at the back of those. So, but yeah, if you want to play with others, probably crystalline catastrophe that was that was popped fairly quickly and often and paid pretty well. So it's just a giant crystal thing in the middle. Yeah, everyone, everyone has to wail on it for you know like sixteen. Actually, I remember it when it was it. really hard. With the original Crystal Line catastrophe was a you encountered it on the star map, yeah, and you sort of, and it was essentially a raid. Yeah, it was this massive crystal thing that fired off sub crystals that fired off yeah. their own sub crystals. And if you didn't know what you were doing, you made it worse it, for everyone else. Yeah, I think that was based on the Hamidan raid from City of Heroes because Cryptic, yeah. same company, and the Hamidan raid was some insane as well. Basically, yeah, City of Heroes, a city of superheroes, and the, the, what, what passed for raiding content in there was a thing called Hamidan, which just, I never saw it myself, but it was essentially an amoeba the size of a city block that you all had to come piling in <laughs> on and, and yeah that had sub nucleuses within it and it was essentially the same kind of design as yeah. that. but yeah it was just really difficult no one got it done and so they just redid it as a well here's a massive tank and spank boss that you just have to wail on and have fun <laughs> have fun yeah and it, it is a real no-brainer it doesn't even matter if you get blown up when it does its predictable rule of three energy pulses if you're not, <laughs> you, every, every every third of its hit points you need to get for yeah. away or you get insta killed apart from that go crazy have fun <laughs> you know just fire stuff it's it's brilliant that's the kind of thing you want. There are some difficult ones in there, and some quite a lot of ground ones as well. But yeah, yeah, have a, have a go. See what see what that's like. But whether you get matchmate, do you, is it crossplay? I don't believe. No, it's not. Okay, okay. Uh, well, that'd be interesting then. It's a whole different culture. Because yeah. I was hoping that my um, there must be some multiplayer lobby thing there. Though. Oh, probably. But no, I was hoping that my um, um, a lifetime would apply because that's me. Is it the same yeah. account? Or you have to create a different account. Uh, I linked my Xbox account to my that's a, they whatever. Should, they should know you've got a lifetime. It must be a different platform holder. to well, this issue. I don't know. Who, yeah. who are you paying for your? No access? one. Uh, can you pay? Is there a sub? Oh yeah, no, I can, no. I don't know if there's a sub, but I know I can buy stuff. There's a, got cash shop. On yeah, console, but I'm. T- Ignoring it in the yeah, I can't yeah, be asked kind of way because I'm immune to their cash shop. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what did you learn this week? I learned this week that um, if you go to the local um, jam lady's um, <laughs> shop outside of her house, the jam lady, yeah, yes, and you buy a Twin Peaks thing, isn't and it? no, everyone should go to the local jam the lady. Local jam lady. Um, everyone in the UK has a local jam lady. You just may not know where she lives. And you, then you uh, get her uh, wild garlic pesto. Wild garlic pesto? Yeah. Oh, you're so middle class. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> then, then, then you smother some chicken in it yes. and bake it nicely. And it, then it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Well, when I you know. leave, you should probably check to see if you've got any for sale. Yeah, yeah. Do a drive-by. Yeah. Um, this week I learned that Amazon pickup lockers are three laws safe. Are they? Yes, they subscribe to the the three laws of robot Asimov's three laws of robotics. Right, so I went. To, Did you try getting one? I, no, no <laughs> that's better than that. I went. I went to pick up my thing. Okay. And you type in the number from the email on the little screen, and it wouldn't open the door because I was stood in front of where the door was. It has a little camera in the front, and it told me on the front, please step back. And it wouldn't open the hatch until I was out of being brained did it, way. Did it open it, the hatch with enough force to brain you? Ah, uh, it would have. It would have reminded me it was there, but it probably wouldn't have knocked me cold, no. But, but you know, I had to step back out of the way, and then it went open. So, clever enough not to kill the user yeah. through, through action Genius. or inaction, see? Uh, is that first or second law? Well, whichever. But, yes, so it turns out that Amazon drop lockers are certainly cleverer than I am, yeah. which is quite humbling. 
do your spiel. You can go along to hannabettertime.com where you can find all our previous episodes. Go along to YouTube where you can subscribe to the videos. And that's about it. Right, see you next time. Goodbye.